You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Hey, listen, this morning I've entitled this, Let Him Lose and Let Him Go. And what I'm going to be talking about is how to release the faith that we get from the Word of God today. Now, let, me, let me give you a, a little story that will help it with this. Uh, my son-in-law, he is a, a professional guide in Montana, so we went up, I went up there to see my daughter and my grandkids and he took me out on the river. And they fish differently than the day when my dad used to take me out fishing. They call it catch and release. Now, sometimes you can keep the fish. Sometimes you can't keep the fish. And so it was catch and release that day. And so we'd catch a fish and let it go. And today, I'm going to show the same type of principles that once you get faith, you have to release it. And once you release it, you can rest assured that whatever you have faith for, it, God is going to manifest it in your life in some great way. Amen? But look here. We use this for our text in Matthew chapter uh, 16. And look what he says. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Notice it says keys, not key. So it's talking about plural. On earth, or excuse me, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me show you something about the verse that you need to see. Notice it says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. If you look at your cross-reference in some of your study Bibles, it will say that it's already been bound. And I don't want to give you a Greek lesson, but the verse is literally saying, whatever you bind here has already been bound, and whatever you loose here has already been loosed in heaven. Can you say amen? amen? So he's teaching Peter that there are keys, which indicates there's more than one blessing, and keys that indicate there's more than one thing you need to, to bind in your life. And I say that because I believe that many times Christians, they come to Jesus, they get saved, and, and it's wonderful, but they don't always live up to the level that their salvation offers them. And what I mean by that is sometimes we live far below what our salvation provides for us. It's not enough just to get saved. There's a saving within your salvation of the things that you face in your life that are evil and so forth. And there's a type of faith that has authority that says, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. I'm not going to put up with my family falling apart. I'm not going to put up with me being always be broke. I'm not going to put up with me always being sick. And, and that's what he's saying is the keys of the kingdom and the governments or the principalities and powers and dominion and might will have no power over you once you understand what it is that God has promised and how to believe that promise and how to release that promise in your life. Let me say it to you this way. You remember the miracle that Jesus did with Lazarus, his good friend? He postponed in seeing him. God had a purpose in it. And he got there, and Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. And you remember the story. Lazarus was in a cave with a tomb in front of it. And he said, roll away the stone. They rolled away the stone. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. 
And you remember the next thing you know, Lazarus is standing outside of the tomb. I don't know if he hopped there or what, because they wear grave clothes when you die. They mummy, they, like a mummy, they wrap you. So I don't know if he just jumped, I don't know. But Jesus said this to him. He said, let him loose and let him go. And what I want to do today is get off some grave clothes that maybe are on you. Maybe you've been set free by Christ, but you haven't been let loose. Your faith has not been yet let loose in your finances, let loose in your family, let loose on your children, hasn't yet been let loose. You're going to learn how to let it loose today. Come on, church, get excited today. This is good preaching. And so God is going to help you do that as we get into the Word of God and begin to do that. But I want to start with this one particular truth that I think is so, so important, and that is this. Say it with me. The source of my blessing is the Word of God. Now, what I mean by that is simply this. Everything that Jesus did has to do with the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus was the Word in the beginning when he said, light be. Say amen. amen. So your salvation, the source of it, is the Word of God. It's not science. It's not social issues. It's not psychology. It's not philosophy. The source of your victory is the Word of God in your life. So if I want victory in my life, I'm going to have to go back to the source. Now, last week I mentioned a verse that's in Psalms 107, verse 20. And the verse was this. It said this. It said, they cried unto the Lord and he saved them. And he saved them from their distresses. And then it says, he sent his word and healed them and deliver them from their destructions. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. It doesn't do any good if you don't know what was sent. If I don't know the word that was sent, how am I going to get healed? If I don't know the word that was sent, how am I going to prosper? If I don't know the word that was sent, how am I going to have a great family? If I don't know the word, I got to know the word. I got to hear the word, know the word, and act on the word in order to experience the salvation that God has given me. Right then, we ought to give God praise. Right now, come on, church, give God praise. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, let me show this to you in a text in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 17. Paul, in that chapter, is talking about what it takes to be saved. You remember I shared this with you before, that with the mouth confession is made on the salvation. But he goes down and he says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that good news? Just call on him. But then Paul says this, how can you call on him if you do not believe? And how can you believe if you have not heard? And how can you hear without a preacher? And how can a preacher come if he's not been sent? And then he says, as it is written, how blessed are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace, of good tidings and good things. Say amen. 
In other words, you, you, in other words, Paul is stressing the fact that it won't happen without hearing the word. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, but not everyone that heard obeyed. And then he mentions Isaiah and says, Isaiah said, who has believed our report? And then the famous verse that all of us know in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing about a word about God. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Woo. Now, I, I wanted to say that because sometimes we think, well, my situation, I'll be saved if I obtain wisdom from the world, and that, that won't hurt, but the salvation that God offers that gives us faith comes from either the written word, something that's already been written, or God personally speaking to you. Amen? Amen. That's why there's a difference between the logos and the rhema in Scripture. The rhema is a spoken word where God speaks to you about something in the Scriptures, and the logos is what God has written. This is, where, this is our power source. This is how you get healed. This is how you prosper with Jesus. This is how you get healed in your family with Jesus. It's through his word, no other way. If you don't get the word, you don't get it. Now, I'm going to read to you. I'm not going to call it a verse because I'm not sure it should be in the canon of the description. You'll, if you have a Catholic Bible, it'll be in there. It's called the wisdom of Solomon. And what, he, what is recorded there is scriptural in the sense it is truth. But listen to what it says. This is in the wisdom of Solomon 16:7. Uh, it says this. It wasn't any herb or ointment that healed them. But the word alone, Lord, which heals everything. There's no doubt about it. Praise God. We anoint people with oil. But it's not the, the oil itself. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Amen. It's just a, a point of contact. And so I, I really agree with that. In fact, there's some, I, I like this analogy. If it is written, I have the right to it. If God wrote it down, I have the right to it. If I told you, listen, you can come over to my house anytime you want and borrow my BMW and drive it anywhere you want, you wouldn't have to call me up and ask if I could borrow it because I've already told you you can God's already told us ahead of time everything that we can and cannot do. Say amen. So if it is written, I got the right to it. I got the right to the blessings. I got the right to a good family. I got the right to the joy of life. I have the right to the abundant life that Christ has promised us in Christ. I have the right to it. And if I got the right, I want to go ahead and cash into it. Amen. There's a, a really, there's a really powerful verse I love. It's in 2 Corinthians 8, 14. And Paul is dealing with the church about a pledge they had made to another church. And he says this. He says, We know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, in order that through his poverty you might become rich. I don't know about you. Now, I'm not interested in, you know, driving, flying around in jets and all that kind of stuff. But riches just mean that you have more than enough. Say amen. amen. And when you know that, it's so exciting because, wait a minute, Lord, I don't have to tolerate just getting by the rest of my life. 
Sure, my faith may be tested right now, but praise God, I'm going to end up with more than enough and plenty left over because I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous. Praise God. And God will come through and bless me because of his word. But you've got to get his word first before faith comes. It doesn't come because you want it. It comes because you hear and if you don't hear the preacher preach the gospel, and I'm not talking about just stories. I'm talking about uh, the gospel full of the truth of Jesus Christ, that he came into this world and died for us on the cross, took our sins upon himself and died, descended in the lower regions of the abyss, and God resurrected him on the third day. And as he ascended on high and we believe on him, God causes a spiritual birth to transpire within your spirit, and you get raised up too. <laughs> Whew, man, I tell you what, it's, it's so good, it's great. Jesus went out of, his time, out of his way to reveal you the will of the Father. Uh, think about the times he would say, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall open. In other words, he wants you to know that God already in heaven has decided to answer your prayers. Say amen. He didn't say ask and maybe you'll get it, seek and maybe you'll get, you know, or knock and maybe the door open. No, no. He wanted them to know, listen, God's already decided ahead of time to answer your prayers as long as you pray the will of God. Amen? Amen. And it's important to do that. Write this first down. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. In other words, call on the Lord and say, Lord, help me with this. Direct me in this, Lord. Give me direction for my family. And as you study the word and in prayer, God will lead you and show you things you didn't know before because God wants you to walk in the abundant life of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let, me, let me give you an example of this. In Psalms 41, a very interesting psalm, but it's really powerful. It's full of promises. It says this, blessed is the man that considers the poor. In other words, he, he just doesn't think about himself. He considers the poor. It said the Lord will preserve him. Woo. Now, I, I like this part. He'll preserve him and keep him alive. I'm giving you something for long life here. Keep you alive or keep him alive. And then he says this, and it's so remarkable, as you look at this text, it says that the Lord will strengthen you when you're on the bed of illness. And then the next verse says that, you, that he will recover you from the sick bed. Now, I don't know about you, but that's nice to know that God's going to help me when I don't feel good. Uh, hallelujah. I remember I, I, I got COVID, I think it was last year, and uh, the doctor gave me some medicine, and, and I said, well, I want to preach on Sunday. Now, this is Tuesday. And he said, well, I suppose you can. You'll probably be fine. So I preached on Sunday on fire. I said, on fire. Later, my wife was talking to the doctor, and he said, I got a question. I'm just curious about your husband. Did he really preach on Sunday? <laughs> I 
that he did. Amen. You know why? Because the Lord strengthens you. He strengthens you. He strengthens you when you're on that bed. <laughs> but see, if you didn't know that, you wouldn't expect that. And you're only going to receive what you expect. Faith creates a, a level of expectancy in your life where you're no longer negatron. Now you're positive. I'm expecting good to come of this. I'm expecting to win in this situation. I, but but you got to get the knowledge of the word to do that. If you don't get the knowledge of the word to do that, it won't work. See, this is one of the problems we have with many Christians. They get saved, and we know how you get saved. Remember Paul said it? He said, whoever confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and believes in the heart that God raised him from the dead. you got to believe he raised him from the dead. He shall be saved. For with the mouth, or with the heart, it is made unto... Glory to God. With the heart, it is made unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But some people stop there. All right, I'm saved. If God wants to help my family, he's going to help my family. If God wants to prosper, he's just going to prosper. No, 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 no. What would happen if someone who was not born again thought like that? Well, if God wanted to save me, he'll just save me. If God wanted to deliver me, he'd just deliver me. No, God gave a plan of salvation, offered it to everyone. But if you don't receive the plan by faith, you can die and bless your darling heart and you'll be in the lake of fire for eternity. Amen? I know that's for someone else that doesn't obey the word, but I want you to see that. That we can't have that attitude and just take for granted things. We need to get faith inside of us and we need to bring that faith to pass. Let me give you another example of this. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God, for you must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's the question. How do you diligently seek him? How do you do it? Is that going to church every week? Well, it could be part of it, but there's a, there's a simpler explanation to it that I'd like you to see. If you remember in the Old Testament the story of this king, he was, he was having problems with another king and their armies, and he was concerned about war. And so what he did, rather than seek the high priest or the prophet what to do, he tried to figure out his own problem, and he took from the treasury the tithe, and he hired mercenaries to protect him in Ramah. And in the story, it goes on, and the prophet comes, the Lord sends him to him, and says this to him, and you'll remember this verse. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong to those whose hearts are completely his. How many know that verse? Isn't that powerful? And we say that, yeah, God's in a big hurry. He's looking to bless me. Yes, that's true, but we forget what he tells the king at the end. He says, from now on, because of what you did, you'll be at war. In other words, because you didn't seek my direction, because you didn't seek a word from me, your kingdom's going to be at war. And a lot of people don't understand that. When you diligently seek the Lord, you're really seeking a word from the Lord. 
Now, it may come in a written form. It may come from a written form that the Holy Spirit speaks to you about. But it always comes from the Word. And the Word and the Spirit agree. If it's not found in the Word, it's not, the word, it's not, the, it's not God. It's in that. Praise God. So when you diligently seek God, you come, and you're not just coming to church. You're coming to church to have God speak to you. You're coming to church so that God's word can be made alive in you, so that you can believe it and respond to it and receive what God has for you in your life. And when you do that, it will transform your life. It will change your life. And everyone that loved God said amen and amen. So I, I wanted to bring that out because I think sometimes we think seeking the Lord is doing this good deed or doing that good deed, which is part of it. But seeking the Lord, really seeking him is to seek his direction and his word in your life. And you can't do that without faith. You got to have faith that God's going to speak to you. And, and, and I know this personally, and I'll give you an example of this. This is when Joyce and I were going to Bible school at Tulsa. And uh, during that time, we didn't have any medical insurance because we were broke. We sold everything to go to Bible school. We sold six acres and a home that was on it and financed the whole thing. So we're there, and we've got two kids, beautiful kids. And they started getting this, uh, these ear problems, inner ear problems, infections, all this stuff. And finally, the doctor said this. He said, they're going to need tubes in their ears. I don't know if you know what that is. And I told my wife, I said, baby, we're going to believe God that my kids don't have to get tubes in the air. So I'm in prayer. I get in the Word. I said, Lord, you said whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it, you shall have it. Your word says you forgive us iniquity and heal all our diseases. Your word says the prayer of faith save the sick and committed any sins. They shall be forgiven. Oh, I forgot the other part. He'll raise you up and he'll forgive. Come on. Praise God. So I'm going through this with the Lord. We're standing in faith. And, you know, this is what we did the first week, the second week, whatever. All of a sudden, one day, my son starts screaming and crying, my ear, my ear, my ear, my ear, my ear. And I'd just been at school, and I was full of word, and, and my wife, she's freaking out, which any mother would. She said, we're taking him to the doctor right now. I said, all right, baby, listen to me. I'll go ahead and do it, but I'm going to take a bath first. Don't ask me why I needed to take a bath. But I'm in the bathtub, and I'm praying. Reminding of God, we're standing on the word of God and so forth. And all of a sudden, out of my spirit comes these words, or out of my inner man comes these words. The eyes of the Lord run to and throw throughout the earth to show himself strong to those hearts are completely his. And as soon as that part ended... My son quit crying. And from that day on, my son or my daughter never had to have tubes in their ears. Say amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Where we believed in faith, and then the Lord spoke to us about what we believed. And that's what God wants you to do when you seek him. He doesn't want you just to settle for it. 
See, when you're in the Word, the Word works two ways. It gives you authority over what you're tired of. Some of you need to get sick and tired of the way your life is turning out. And go, wait a minute. Jesus said he'd come to give me abundant life, not a bad life. Not a horrible life. Sure, I'll have persecution, but I'm going to win every battle, praise God. Sure, I'm going to have struggles, but I'm going to win every battle. I'm not going to be depressed like the world. I'm not going to be all drugged out like the world. I'm going to be like Jesus. When they try to stone me, I'm going to walk through the rocks. Say amen. There's a power in this that only comes if you are hungry for the Word. And I'm not talking about hungry for theology, even though there's nothing wrong with good theology. I'm talking about hungry for the Word. Not just stories, oh, the pastor made me laugh. That's all great if it happens. But the Word is the most important thing. What did I learn from the Word today. That's what's going to make a difference. Now, let me explain this to you, and you can look this up for yourself. There's too many verses to read. It's in Luke chapter 16, and in it, Jesus talks about an event that took place that isn't a parable. There's a difference between a parable and something that actually happened. Amen? Jesus many times would uh, use parables, word pictures to communicate truth this isn't a parable. He says there was a certain man, that, that indicates it's not a parable, who wore purple garments, fine linen, who, was a, who lived a sumptuous life. In other words, he was filthy rich. He was blessed in every possible area you could imagine financially. And he was excessive. And you know what I'm talking about, like the Beverly Hill wives, that kind of stuff. I'm trying to relate to a movie I've never watched. <laughs> I just saw the title and thought it was funny. But it's, but, and I believe Jesus is actually talking about somebody that was in the community that, that lived there that, who had died. Because many mention, and there was a beggar, his name was Lazarus, and he was... It said that he was laid outside of this guy's mansion. And he, obviously, if he's laid there, he was crippled, couldn't walk. some reason, they had to lay him there, and he's asking for crumbs from the table of this wealthy man. And in the story, it's, it's very unique because it said the dogs would lick the sores of this beggar Lazarus. And then, and then, it, then it gets the punchline. Then Lazarus died, and he went to Abraham's bosom, which is a term oftentimes used for paradise that the Old Testament saints would go to in the old, waiting the resurrection of Christ. Nobody was in heaven until after Jesus rose from the dead, but there was a place of paradise that Old Testament saints went. He goes there, and then the rich man dies, and he goes to the place called Hades or what we call hell, place of torment. He's hurting, man. And it says there was a gulf between the two places, which I want you to hear this. There is an afterlife. There is a hell, and there is a heaven. And there is also a lake of fire, but that's another message. Uh -oh. Amen. So he's in Hades, and there's all this torment, and, and, he, and he sees Abraham on the other side of this gulf, 
Which don't explain, I can't explain to you what it is, but there was a gulf between them. And he cries out to him and he says, could you send Lazarus, the beggar that was outside of his place, over here with a cup of water? And then Abraham says something really powerful. He says, we can't go from here to there, and you can't go from here to there. In other words, no one's pardoned in Hades. No one escapes Hades. And no one in heaven is allowed to go there. I don't know if it means we see loved ones that didn't accept Christ there and want to bless them. I don't know what it means. But he says that to him, and then he's desperate. He said, well, Abraham, can you at least do this? Can you send Lazarus, have him appear to my five brothers so that they don't end up in this place? Hell is real. And Abraham said something really powerful. He said, let him hear what Moses and the prophets said. And he used that term, let him hear, because in Scripture it says, those that have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. In other words, when you, when, you, when you have an ear to hear, you hear it and you act on what you hear. And his brothers, they're Jewish. The rich man was Jewish. He heard the word, but it didn't produce any repentance in his life. In other words, he did not act on what he believed. And he says this to him. He said that they didn't believe Moses and the prophets. They won't believe someone who's raised from the dead. In other words, they're not going to repent if they didn't repent back then. They won't repent this other way. Repentance, understand, is twofold. It means to change your mind, but it means to change your actions as well. If you don't change your actions... You may believe, but your belief will not save you. you got to change your actions. Now, I'm saying that because he points them back to the Word. And said if they didn't believe the Word and act on the Word, they won't believe when Lazarus is raised from the dead and appears to them. And everyone that liked that part of the message said amen and amen. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? And so I want you to absorb that. I want you to grab that in your spirit. That God gave us the word. And when we hear it, faith comes. But it won't do any good until you act on what you believe. you got to act on what you believe. Oh, I believe I'm the head of the family. Then love your wife in action like Christ loved the church. Not like your father did. Not like the counselor tells you to do but as Jesus did, and that means you're going to die for her if necessary to take care of her in your... Oh, guess a good preaching, whether you like it or not. It's a good preaching. Amen. She gets sick, you don't kick her out and get her somebody healthy. Say amen. She can't work, you don't kick her out and get somebody that can work. Anyway, we're just moving right along here. I just... I don't want to go there, but you love her as Christ loved the church. Yeah, and the wife needs to love his husband as unto the Lord. Anyway, yeah. You notice I didn't stop with the women? I'm one of the wisest pastors 
in the Northwest. I'm a wise man. <laughs> Woo. I, I remember, this has happened periodically in ministry here, where someone comes up to me and they say, Pastor, I got this great idea what we need to do in the church. And occasionally I, I'm a little obvious, so I say something like this, when do you want to start? And they kind of looked down, whoa, 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 I, I'm too busy, Pastor. Well, don't offer it unless you want to instigate it, amen? But that's what it's about, the word. The word is preached to us, we get faith for it, but we got to act on what we believe. We can't just say, I have faith, I know this, I know that. we got to have faith, we got to act on what we believe. If we believe that God has blessed us, we got to act blessed. If we believe that we're to give thanks in everything, then we need to give thanks in everything. If we believe we're to think on those things that are true and, and, uh, and pure and upright, we need to think. you got to act on it to really get the results that you want. Now, let me close with this. In 2 Peter, Peter says this in the first chapter. He, now, remember, Peter denied the Lord three times. He knows a little bit about backsliding. And he lists seven virtues that you add to your faith, seven things. And then at the end of it, he says, even so, I want you to be more diligent. That's what he says. More diligent and make sure, now watch this, your calling and your election. He says, if you want, it to, be, you want to be sure you're, you got it, you're going to have to do the things that I'm telling you to do. And then he says, after he said, make sure your election and calling, he says, and if you do these things, ooh, I like this, you shall never fall. Powerful, isn't it? But notice our actions from what we believe is what makes us sure that we're going to get to heaven, we're going to make it. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, he says, and it's going to cause the entrance, the entrance, God is going to abundantly supply you into everlasting kingdom of Jesus Christ as Lord. Notice he says the entrance is going to be abundant. God's going to supply an, an abundance of the entrance. You say, what does entrance have to do with anything? Because there's small entrance, there's big entrance. Let me, let me say to you this. You remember when the rich man came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to be saved? He was wondering if he's going to make it. Jesus said, you only lack one thing. Just sell everything you have and follow me. And he all, had all his money, so he turned away and walked off. And Jesus made this statement. He said, it is harder, let me, say it, let me say the way he said it. He said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. That doesn't mean they can't be saved. It just means that they have more reasons not to get saved. But the eye of the needle, and you can write this down, it's true, is actually a little doorway I don't know how little it is, but it's in the gate of the city. So these cities were, had walls around them and they had big gates in the front and at night uh, they would lock them up because they didn't want enemies to come in while they were sleeping or whatever. And they would put one guard over that little 
eye of the needle, that gate. So a few came late. Ah, they shut the gate already. There was a little door that you could go through, and if you had camels, whew, it was hard to get them through. Because if you ever rode a camel, I, I rode a camel in Israel. They're big, and they're vulgar, and they spit on you. Anyway. <laughs> so it's really hard to get in there. So what Peter is suggesting is if you do these things, you're going to enter the kingdom, the everlasting kingdom with a huge entrance that can handle the abundance of blessings, that can handle the abundance of joy, that can, come on, handle the abundance of souls that you led to Christ, that can handle the riches of his glory, and you're going to enter in, not just barely get in, you're going to enter with a huge, hey, open up the big gate. Pastor Jack's coming. You don't have to be Pastor Jack. You can just be a, a person who does the word. And man, when you die and go to heaven, they're gonna, you're going to go in there with riches, glory, the crown of righteousness. Trumpets are going to sound. Jesus is going to personally come out and meet you on the way in there. Praise God. You won't have to tell a joke to Peter to get in. You'll be ready. Praise God. Yeah. But this is how it works. But my, what I want to encourage you is this, is when you get saved, it isn't just to get to heaven. It's to bring heaven to your family. It's to bring heaven to your career. To bring heaven to whatever God has called you to do personally in your life. God believes in the church that will prevail, the church that will win. Sure, we'll have trouble, but we're going to win in the trouble. You know, I was studying the apostles, and I discovered this, that only one of them died of natural causes. All the others gave their life up as a testimony of Christ's faith. But the apostle John, he was 99 years old, they, they estimate, when he died. And they tried to kill him before, and they took him, and they boiled him in oil. And it didn't touch him. In fact, tradition tells us that everyone that was there that was part of the thing was having a every one of them got saved. And so the emperor had to get rid of them. He's got too big a problem, so he shipped them off to the island of Patmos, which you've ever been there. I've, I've seen, I've seen, listen, it's paradise. It's like the Hawaiian Islands. Anyway, just side note. Give God praise. Come on, that's good, that's good preaching. <laughs> All right, let me close with this. Say, oh, yeah, it's one of those slow closes. <laughs> I believe that faith has to be believed, and you can't believe till you hear. And I believe you need to confess what you believe and also act on what you believe. It's all part of the same package. And I want to say a truth here at the end that I think will bless you. And write this down. Revelation 1.6 says that we are a kingdom of kings and priests unto God. How many remember that verse? Did you know that once you get saved, you have the ability and the power to bless people by what you say? Do you know that? I'm not talking about just edification here. I'm talking about a spiritual blessing. You see it in the Old Testament. God told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, here's what I want you to do. 
after they brought the sacrifice and I've accepted the sacrifice, I want the priest to come out and I want him to say this blessing to the people. And they would, and they would do the offerings and they would go out and it says this. They would say this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, the Lord let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his confidence towards you and give you peace. And then in the next verse it says, and I will bless them. In other words, heaven already decided to bless them, but they couldn't be blessed until someone down here used the keys of the kingdom. Until someone down here started to bless someone. Oh, come on, come on. We can bless. We can bless. You know, I watch the news. I, I, I'm very carnal when I watch the news, and I want to call down fire on some of these officials. But the, the, Jesus said, when your enemies come against you, he says, bless them. You say, why? Because if you don't bless them, God's spirit will not open up their eyes. If you don't bless them, God won't show himself to them. If you don't bless them, they'll never be able to see beyond what they can see. You got to bless them. You got to bless them. You got to bless them. And when you bless them, God releases the blessing. God releases the anointing. God, come on church, he releases it and brings a blessing into your life. Start blessing your wife. Start blessing your children. Start blessing your job. Start blessing our country. God bless our country. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Start blessing them. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.